this uh, now the podcast is that just going out hey what's going on good people's gardener douglas your oyster ninja i'm here today with miss kate from the partnership for the delaware estuaries and she is the fancy title communication coordinator is that right miss kate uh, that is it's not that fancy but but i appreciate it all the same you gotta throw titles where you can yeah so uh kate let's just start off real basic here yeah. um, for all the listeners um just tell us about delaware first of all and what in the world is an estuary okay well we get asked that question a lot as a matter of fact an estuary uh is where the river meets the sea uh that's what, how we start off explaining it um it's a transitional area where salt water from the ocean uh, meets and mixes with fresh water from um, a river. Uh, and so in our case, our area is um, the Delaware Bay, where the Atlantic Ocean comes into the Delaware Bay, and it meets and mixes with water from the Delaware River. So our area, uh, the, so that's, so an estuary is a transitional zone. Our estuary area, we're part of a national estuary program that includes um, part of Pennsylvania, so it includes Philadelphia, all the way up to Pottsville, um, and then uh, a good chunk of southeastern New Jersey, so Trenton down to Cape May, and then the Delaware Bay, and then across down to Lewis, Delaware, most of, and then most of Delaware. Nice. And our office is uh, in Wilmington, Delaware. Um, and as I said, so we're a, we're part of one of uh, 28 national estuary programs, which um, it's a program from the uh, Environmental Protection Agency um, for, uh, to, it's to restore the water quality and the ecological integrity of estuaries of, an, of national significance. So our area is the Delaware Bay and the Delaware River. So, like, just in a, a general answer, I guess, how is that going? Because, you know, and there's so much news about, you know, pollutants and ecosystems failing and mm -hmm. all, all, like, how is the uh, restoration going? Um, that's a hard one to answer because it, um, it depends on what you want to get into in terms of restoration. Okay. Um, the Delaware River has actually come a long way from where it used to be even you know, 30 years ago. As a matter of fact, this year, uh, the American Rivers Organization named it uh, the Delaware River River of the Year. Um, because I mean, years and years ago, I mean, it was terribly polluted and boats, you know, ships in the, in the harbors would, uh, would rust. And, and now you know, it's uh, open for activities. You know, you can, uh, there's paddle boats over um, by Penn's Landing and the Independent Seaport Museum where you can, you know, where you have been able to go on paddle boats and the condition of the river has improved quite a bit. I mean, it's not perfect, but, you know, and we're still, we still have a ways to go, but uh, it's better than it used to be. Nice. So what about like, do you guys, I saw, I was looking on your site and you guys um, do a lot of work with like the uh, mussels mm -hmm. and of course the oysters. Do you guys deal with uh, like the seagrasses also? We do. We deal with wetlands. Uh, so uh, wetlands research uh, and um, uh, and, have, and how that relates to sea level rise. Uh, the mussels, uh, we've been working with um, mussel propagation, meaning that, you know, we are 
um, trying to increase the numbers. Um, and we actually are hoping to build a uh, muscle, a large scale muscle hatchery. We have a, uh, a laboratory at Fairmount Waterworks in Philadelphia. And we're hoping to build one, uh, a larger one in Philadelphia where we'd be able to um, hatch oysters as well because oysters and uh, I'm sorry that we would be able to hatch freshwater mussels. Um, freshwater mussels and oysters um, are nature's water filters and so they naturally as they eat they take in um, you know dirt and things like that and they naturally filter the water just by how they how they eat. So uh, you know Oysters always get the, um, the the limelight, I guess you could say. Um, so mussels, uh, they filter water, water also. Mm -hmm. so they definitely do. So is there a stat like, you know, with oysters is 50 gallons. Mm -hmm. um, so is there a stat for mussels also? Yeah, so a healthy freshwater mussel can filter up to 10 gallons of water a day. Um, and I recently uh, saw where uh, a healthy acre of oysters can filter uh, the water equivalent to 36 Olympic-sized swimming pools per day. Wow. We need That's, more uh, yeah, We do. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So, uh, if you kind of wonder, well, you know, yeah, you know, oysters and mussels, they live in the water. But, uh, you know, what does it have to do with... Uh, the integrity of the water, well, they're natural water filters. It, and, um, and people do eat the oysters and they, they live in salt water, um, but it's, it's all to the good uh, that, that we can uh, keep these animals alive and safe and healthy. In fact, freshwater mussels are imperiled creatures. They're not quite endangered yet, but they're imperiled. I didn't know that. That's, that's mm -hmm. pretty serious. Mm-hmm. Now, why do you think that is? Is it just the water content? I mean, the water, um, um, it like... is uh, a myriad of things. Part of it is pollution. Part of it is um, overuse. Um, but um, uh, but yeah, they need to be they need to be saved. No doubt. Okay. Well, we gotta get we gotta put yeah. some work in. And freshwater um, mussels, yeah, just to let you know, so people, people wonder, you know, well, if you can eat oysters, why not freshwater mussels? Freshwater mussels, you don't want to eat. They're just not the kind that you want to eat. Uh, the kind of mussels that you do eat are the ribbed mussels, and those are in salt water also. Got you. Okay, so that's a big difference. I'm glad you mm -hmm. said something. <laughs> okay, wow, I didn't know that because I did a, um, I did a episode with Anacostia Watershed or Waterkeepers or something mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that question ever came up. Like, could you eat uh, the mussels? I just figured you could. Right. Uh, ribbed, again, ribbed mussels uh, you can eat, but mm -hmm. the freshwater mussels you don't. And in fact, in Delaware, they are protected. Right. Is that because of how, how the numbers are? Uh, part of it is numbers. Part of it is, again, you could get sick from, from eating them because so when, remember how I told you how they eat, you know, they, right. they take in you know, when they're eating stuff, you know, they're taking in phytoplankton and they're taking in all these different things to nourish them, but they're also taking in the bad stuff as well. So they, and they hold on to things. Gotcha. So like uh, oil spill and, and heavy metals and things like that, um, 
you know, they, they're probably holding on to that, you know, for years because muscles given the chance can live a long time. Mm. Okay. So yeah, once we get them going and just let them do their thing, we should be all right, at least for right, right. 10 I mean, gallons. They, um, they also help hold, um, like a muscle bed can help hold soil in uh, and the river bottom. Cool. So can you just, I don't know if you, um, I'm just happy to have you on here, first of all, but like, could you just talk a little bit about the uh, importance of seagrass? Uh, depends on what kinds of sea, so are you talking about like uh, wetland grass? Are you talking about Spartina? See, you know more than me already. So whatever you want to talk about, that's what we can talk about. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I, so I, I wish the, one of my colleagues was here because uh, who, our wetland uh, specialist and our wetlands coordinator were here because... Um, we can save it for next time also. I, I might because yeah. they'd be able to uh, tell you a whole lot more and go like deep in terms of wetland grass. Um, that's no biggie. I got you on here and I just wanted to drain you for knowledge. So it's, no, it's, no, it's all that's good. Okay. Um, but uh, they, they have been doing, uh, in fact, I did a, uh, an article for our uh, springtime newsletter, um, Estuary News, mm -hmm. uh, that you can get online about uh, some of the research that our wetlands team has been doing um, on grasses. They were doing these shade studies that um, have to do with with Spartina in a wetland, and the in the bigger picture, it um, it's part of research on uh, sea level rise and the impact on wetlands and how we get things like goat, uh, ghost forests, whereas you know the salt water comes in and uh, it starts killing off trees. See, I had never heard of that that uh, that terminology. I need to do more research. That's all it means. I Again, you know, I'm, I probably know just enough to get myself in trouble. Um, <laughs> they, would, they, would, they would be able to tell, tell you so much more. Right. Well, thank you so much. So yeah. anyway, the reason why we're talking anyway, uh, of course, I was on Instagram land and I saw you guys were doing the, the three-part series. And of course, the mm -hmm. oysters um, sparked my yeah. interest at first. Um, so I'm glad you guys had a successful event um, with that one. And that was... Is that rebroadcasted already? It is, yes. Yeah. So we have that on our website. You can go to our website, uh, www.delawareestuary.org, and uh, you go to uh, uh, news and events, and uh, there's a tab for What Lies Beneath, which is the name of the webinar series. Um, and so, so next our, up. Yeah. Yeah. If you want to go into the next, um, the next yeah. episode. Yeah. So, yeah. So next episode, the, ne the third uh, episode in the uh, three-part series is going to be on horseshoe crabs. Uh, so we did freshwater mussels for the first one, uh, oysters for the second one. And uh, so our third one is going to be on horseshoe crabs. Um, and our speakers are going to be Glenn Gavray and um, Alan Bergenson. And uh, so Glenn Gavray is, um, he is uh, the founder of um, a uh, program. Uh, he's, well, he's, first of all, he's a, a horseshoe crab expert, um, but he is the founder and director of the Ecological Research and Development Group, uh, which is a wildlife conservation organization um, and the mission 
of that is the conservation of um, horseshoe crabs. Now that's another uh, fancy title, I tell you. <laughs> well, I guess if you, <laughs> I guess if you're the founder and director of something, then you can give yourself whatever title you want. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, he no, but he is an expert on horseshoe crabs, and then Alan Bergenson. Um, he is the global subject matter expert uh, in testing solutions uh, or for testing solutions. And he's also the chair uh, for the Horseshoe Crab Advisory Panel. Um, so for the Atlantic States Marine Fisheries Commission, I was getting that off of his bio there because I couldn't remember all of his titles. No um, so uh, they are going to talk about uh, horseshoe crabs and um, just all these different things about these amazing creatures that predate the dinosaurs uh, and that's that have, have stayed the same since dinosaur days. Right. That says a lot. Uh, and the fact that uh, they have this uh, amazing blue blood that is used in medical testing and could possibly end up being uh, a component. Uh, they're talking about using horseshoe crab blood in a, as a component in uh, in the development of a vaccine for COVID-19. God bless horseshoe crabs. Yeah. Good gosh. Um, <laughs> Delaware, uh, so the American, there's different types of horseshoe crabs. The American horseshoe crab looks sort of like a helmet. It looks like a helmet with a tail. Um, and they're actually more closely related to spiders than they are to actually crabs. They're related to like spider scorpions. So they're, they're arthropods. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, they have these little, you know, uh, spiky tails that they, they're, the, they're completely harmless. They, they, I mean, they kind of seem a little weird looking to people if they mm -hmm. don't know what they're looking at. Uh, but they are fascinating and they're, they're humble, gentle creatures. Um, and uh, they have this amazing blood that has been used um, for years in medical testing. That's wonderful. That's uh, there, and there is more of them. Uh, there's more of the American horseshoe crab in Delaware than any other place in the earth. Wow. Mm -hmm. uh, in the springtime, if you go to places like Slaughter Beach, Delaware, um, and if, or if you're in New Jersey, you can go down to the Delaware Bay beaches um, that there and you might see uh, migratory shorebirds like red knots uh, or turnstones. And uh, what they're doing is they are feeding on horseshoe crab eggs. Uh, the red knots, they will fly from the very southern tip of South America all the way to the Arctic. And on their way, they feast on horseshoe crab eggs and other things uh, for nourishment to help them survive the flight and to help them survive until um, their food source um, becomes more plentiful in the Arctic. And, and that's where the, that's where the uh, birds go to start their own families. That's cool. So, yeah, so there's this um, strange relationship between these migratory shorebirds and the horseshoe crabs that are more plentiful in Delaware and on, on uh, and the Atlantic coast than any other place. So when is the uh, when is this uh, when is this going live? 
Uh, so this year's has already taken place. It uh, usually goes from uh, March or April until about May, and mm-hmm. then they're done. Okay. And that is so, and then when, so when the birds are uh, in Delaware, that's when horseshoe crabs come up to the shore to lay their, to lay their eggs. So the horse, so the birds are, are feasting on the horseshoe crab eggs. Do we eat horseshoe crabs? No. Okay. No. All right. I thought I'd ask for the people in the back. Not, not right. <laughs> right. No, again, they are not actually, we call them crabs, but they're actually more closely related to spiders and scorpions in terms of, uh, you know, genes. Right. Got you. All right. So when is the uh, webinar? The webinar is going to be at noon on Tuesday, uh, which is um, August the 25th. And you can register by going to our website. Again, that's www.delawareestuary.org. And uh, you can just sign up there. Uh, We also have um, social media posts up where uh, we try to put the uh, registration link in there. So you can go to Twitter, um, you can go to Facebook, Facebook. You can go to our link tree and our Instagram and uh, get the link there. So any of those places. And then if you happen to miss it, we will put it up on YouTube. So that's, and that's where you can see and our website. So uh, if you miss it, you can uh, go to YouTube or our website to uh, see the webinar that way. So um, I didn't tell you, I don't think I said anything about it. But with your uh, oyster webinar, what I wanted to do was give away three oyster knives. Oh. So, but if it's not too late, the offer is still out there. So I don't know how you can do it with, you know, whoever, I don't know, registers or however you want to do it. You guys can do it. Just let me know where I got to send them to. Okay. Well, let me talk to the team about that and and, uh, see what they say. Boom. There it is. And we'll, we'll figure it out. Yep, sounds good. Well, I appreciate you uh, for taking time out. I don't think no this was this was, wasn't too hard, was it? No, not at all. In fact, the time is <laughs> the time has flown. How about it? Yeah, I'm looking at the clock myself. I'm like, wow. Okay, all right, there it is. Um, so yeah, uh, for for if anybody wants to volunteer, I guess um, in the state of Delaware, mm-hmm. where can they uh, find out where they can go and sign up? Uh, to volunteer about the uh, the oyster shells. With, with the oyster shells, with the uh, with your partnership, whatever. Uh, yeah, so How we can are we help all... you guys out. Yeah, so um, you can contact me. I'm Kate Layton, um, and I'm the communications coordinator. Um, that's K L A Y T O N at DelawareEstuary.org um, for the. Um, so we also have a um, oyster shell. Uh, bagging program so we're and we're always looking for volunteers to help with that because what we we have a an agreement with um, a number of restaurants around uh, in Delaware where we provide the bins and uh, the restaurants will put used oyster shells into those so that they don't go in the trash and what happens is we collect them they go to our shell recycling area and um, then we end up using so and then we bag up the oyster shells and we use them in um, shore restoration projects and um, oyster habitat projects um, so uh, it it's really helpful and and the the shells just go back into nature where they came from and so we're always looking for volunteers to help with that and you can contact sarah Bubulis, 
um, and that's S-B-O-U-B-O-U-L-I-S at DelawareEstuary.org. Just for any new listeners that might have stumbled onto us, um, why are oyster shells really so important to the uh, environment and why you guys choose to use the oyster shells um, to rebuild, to restore? Uh, well, that's a, that's a good question. Um, the, so the oyster, so oysters in terms of rebuilding habitat, oysters need a hard surface or hard substrate um, on which to expand their, their own habitat, to expand their beds. Um, so they, they, that will include um, building the oyster beds and, and, and uh, attaching to a hard substrate, including other oyster shells. So that's one thing. Um, and then the oyster shells, when we uh, put the oyster shells in bags, uh, they also help in terms of um, shore erosion mitigation. So, um, you know, the water comes up and it laps on the shore and eventually you've got this erosion on our shores. And uh, so we've got, we have living shoreline pro projects uh, all throughout our area and uh, the oyster shells help uh, to protect against that erosion. You get a 100 on the test. That is perfect. All right. Again, thank you so much. Thank you um, so much. And uh, hopefully I'm going to be, I'm going to uh, go ahead and register too. I haven't registered yet. So I'm going to oh. go ahead and register and I'm going to learn about some horseshoe crabs. That's excellent. And this is a free webinar. So, um, and it is, it's actually family friendly. We've had, um, we've heard from a mom whose uh, seven or eight year old son has been tuning in to the webinars. So that it's been, that was great to hear. And uh, so if you want to tune in, you'll learn a lot. For sure. This could be like science class, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Except I, I think what they try to do is they, I mean, they, uh, they get so sort of technical, you know, mm -hmm. and so basically whatever your level is, whether you're a beginner or whether you have a lot more knowledge about it, um, uh, we have something for, for your level of interest and cool. for your level of knowledge. So um, what I know we have the horseshoe crabs. Is there anything else we should be looking out for in the near future? Um, let's see. We're, I'm not sure what our next series is going to be on uh, for webinars, but uh, we um, are getting ready to have our um, uh, uh, Delaware River Fest. We're going to have that online. Hmm. Um, and uh, so if you go to um, DelawareFest.org or DelawareRiverFest.org, um, then you should, we'll have more information posted there on a regular basis. Oh, that sounds fun. Online. Yeah. So yeah. And that it's actually going to be sort of a hybrid festival. We usually hold it once a year at Penn's Landing and in uh, across the river in Camden. Uh, but because of COVID, we're going to have a uh, virtual festival this year and it's going to have a combination of in-person activities and virtual activities. Cool. Well, thanks so much for all the information. And Thank you. of course, I'll be reaching out to you and we'll be talking to see who can win some oyster knives. Excellent. Yep. Stay, so yeah, stay in touch and uh, register for the webinar. No doubt. I will. And they will. I hope. <laughs>
<laughs> All right. Thank you so much. Okay. Thank you so much. All right. All right. Thank you.